0: you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now, here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. Today, I am coming to you from the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute, where I am in an undisclosed location because I'm reaching into the vault of where I have stacks and stacks of the resources that I have, especially for you. They are selected. So today, I'm going to reach as right now into the vault. Okay, I've, I've got it. Oh, yeah, let me put that down here. All right, we've got it. We've got it. So today we are going to really get into a topic that I believe business owners and leaders truly need to pay attention to. As you listen to this, maybe you might think about someone that after listening you might want to share this episode with them because we're going to talk about the seven behaviors leaders need to avoid at all cost. He said, "Kingsley, wait a minute. Are these the only behaviors they need to avoid? Well, maybe there are other behaviors. Well, I would not say yes. There are other behaviors." that leaders ought to avoid. And I'm not covering the gamut of them. I, you know, we can't spend one one show and cover every single behavior that leaders need to avoid. But I believe there are seven that I will share with you today and let me right up front let you know that I'm sharing this from an article that A friend of mine wrote that was very popular, very well-received. Her name is Bridget Hyacinth, and I read this article, and I thought, hmm, you know, it's in written form, and why not put it in an audio form? Now, I did let her know that I will be sharing some things, and I did this through our interaction on LinkedIn, that when I do, I would let her know and, and link her with this because we were planning to do an, an interview for the show, which she is very busy right now, very traveling, speaking, and I get it, I, I get it, and I I really appreciate her for what she is doing, and I applaud the work she does because she is truly hitting the the nerve of not just leadership but also HR and. What needs to happen. And her main theme is putting human back into hu- human resources, that our humanity back in human resources. So I wanted to make sure I upfront uh, in transparency share these that every, these seven things I'm sharing, I resonate with and I'm going to use because normally when I read and do my research on my podcast, I will read whether an uh, a peer review article whether from a book or i listen to this on, on youtube or wherever it is that what media i use i will then take and you know put my own spin and will say here are seven things that i found and and make it mine but i wanted to use her own words the seven she here's how she titled the article i, w- I want to mention this because just in case you're looking for the article yourself she titled the article Seven worst bad boss behaviors. Seven worst bad, bad. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Hey, Bridget. See, you gave me a tongue twister. Seven worst bad boss behaviors, right? And, and she talked about the idea of the toxicity, which I've also talked about on this show. And you've heard me share this if you've listened to my podcasts episodes, you know, we are up to number 122. So you, if you've been following me, you've heard me talk about talk, a toxic workplace. What makes for that? Because I have my own view because actually in my book, The intelligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed, I, I talk about this idea of leaders creating the right environment that will cause that will lead to more lead to uh, to boost productivity boost performance boost morale and also it will lead to retention it will lead to employee satisfaction and happiness and i talk about those what really leads to that so if you have not listened to that show you can go back and you you will see my the title of my show Pretty much explicit will tell you what it is the show is about. But this time when I did this rating on this this um, posts that Bridget posted, I, I thought that, hey, you know, when she can come and share with her own first-person voice, in the meantime, I thought it was a very pertinent, very timely article that I wanted to share with you because I believe that, Companies that have hired and spent all this money, maybe your company, maybe through training, through hiring and all that stuff, and, and they're not getting the results they're looking for. And they're wondering possibly why. why. Why are they not getting the results? And I believe that what Bridget have outlined here in this article, these are possibly reasons. And so if you are an owner of a company and you're wondering, why are we having all this turnover? And you might be listening to people who are telling you that, yeah, it's because. And, and and most times, it's not taking responsibility. It's not saying, you know what, I believe I'm the cause. Who's going to say that? You know, who's going to say, I believe I'm the cause or the reason why people are leaving? No, they're not going to say that. They're going to point out everything else, right? So I wanted to let you know as a business owner, as a, a CEO, or as a just a leader that has been, you know, you're maybe a vice president or president, and you want to know what might be happening. And then also, if you're not, you're not any of those, but you are a leader, given the responsibility of leading your team, and you probably is not aware of what's happening because nobody is telling you, nobody is talking to you, and you're guessing, which is really unfair because you have to you have to try to figure out things on your own. But these might be something that you want to look at and, and wonder and see, is there something that possibly I am doing? Am I guilty of any of these seven behaviors? And so let's get into them right now and begin with the first one. The first one that she talked about was, and she called these deal breakers, right? It's micro managing, micromanaging, and in her post, she said, this is the number one killer of creativity and innovation in the workplace. I have seen that firsthand. I mean, experienced that firsthand where I've seen micromanaging in a way where, and I believe it was more so an insecurity on the part of the leader. This person did not, number one, didn't have as the skills, the leadership skills and or the emotional intelligence skills of self-awareness as the main one, for example, to really feel confident enough to release and empower their people around them, to do the things that they've been hired to do. There's a control element. And so if the leader is a controller, controlled control freak, and maybe if you are with that yourself, and you want to be controlling of everything, possibly there could be some insecurity, and you're going to you're going to really choke the life out of your people. Leaders who do this choke the life. It really creates a, a suffocation. People kind of feel suffocated, right? Uh, they can't turn around you right there. They they can't, and there's a constant sense of trust, you know. Do you really trust me? And so it creates a distrust within the workplace. So when their micromanaging continues or eventually your best people who are, you know, stars and when they're released to do the things they've been hired for and their passion, they're they're only going to take but so much. At some point, the dam is going to break. They're not going to continue to be stifled because they are not free to be themselves. They're working under a condition that is just hazardous for their overall mental health and their creativity. So you can stifle innovation and really hurt your productivity. And the worst case scenario, you're going to have your best people Leave and go and find a place where they can be free to be creative. That's number one, micromanaging. Number two, picking favorites. Now, and she says, it's hiring and or promoting the wrong people. And and this is what I find happens sometimes. I see where people are promoted because of a relationship. You know, it's who you've heard the phrase, right? It's not what you know is who you know, right? Haven't you heard that? And I've seen some leaders who actually fall in this trap. They've kind of, you know, they want their yes men or yes women around them. And so they'll promote people who are going to kind of not challenge them and agree and go along. And so they, they will promote people who are that way or they may promote people who are, have done well in the skill, skilled area that they are working in. And And that's their you know that's the person's forte, that's their wheelhouse, that's their sweet that's their sweet spot. So they'll do they excel there. and because of Excel there, here is what the killer is. The thought is that if they excel there, what if we make them a leader? Will't they not be such an incredible, incredible leader? No, my friend, no, no, they're not. Some will, but majority won't. The reason why they excel where they were is because that's what they do best. That's the, you know, it's a, squ- a round peg in a round hole. That's what's happening. You put them in a leadership position and their personality, their wiring, all of that stuff is not leader oriented. You have created a disastrous situation. You've set that person up for failure. I've seen it firsthand. I remember being in a group one time and this person that was promoted to a position of leadership was done so because they were doing so well at a lower position. They were not a leader at the time. And they they really just shone so brightly and they got promoted. And you could tell this is where they felt out of place. It, it just did, it just did not fit them. We felt it. We knew it. We saw it, and it wasn't too long before the person left, and just left the organization, just left because they cannot handle that. So when you promote or you pick favorites or you show that within the workplace you have certain people that you. Tend to gravitate towards, and I get it. We all have our personalities, and sometimes there are certain people who we feel more akin with. They are they speak our language, whether it's verbally or otherwise. Right? They're fun. Whatever it is, we gravitate towards them, and we show favoritism, so they get all the you know the perks and whatever it is. That's dangerous. So when you pick favorites, that's a behavior. And you're going to find you need to avoid that at all costs. You know, I talk about that in my book, The Immortal Intelligent Leader, about the leadership is stewardship. And in that stewardship ta- um, chapter, I talk about the idea of, of caring, nurturing, but doing it in a very, very um, fair way. Where everybody know that you're for them, not for him or for her, right? That is very important. So number three, taking the credit for employees' work our successes You know, I, I, I read something recently where this lady, she was actually doing some work, and, and I can't remember where I read it, but she was told by her boss that she needs to, to um, really decrease the amount of slides. Is that, oh yeah, it's a presentation she was going to do. She was told to put this presentation together, and she's going to present it to the upper echelon of the of the company right? That's what she was told. She did all the work. She researched. She did as best of a job she could. The, the slides were immaculate. They were just A grade, you know, an, an A grade type of slide. Man, and then the boss told, the supervisor or the manage, manager told her that she needs to go back and distill it even more because there's there are too many slides. And I, I get that, right? And she did, she did. And you know, When you have like a a presentation that is in your mind, this is it, and you have to go back and you know you can't do that many slides and the time factor, which one do you take out, right? And so she – anyway, she did it. She pared it down and really made it very succinct, very tight, very crisp, very just ready, perfect. And then she handed it to her boss, and she – her boss was like, man, this is is it. This is a great – it was like, yeah, this is it. Then she didn't hear anything. She didn't hear anything. She didn't hear anything. And she went back to her boss and said, hey, I thought we were going to, I was putting this presentation together to then present it to our, 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 our leaders or our bosses. And her own immediate boss said to her, oh, I already did. What? I mean... She, she almost, she was floored. You what? And she said, I thought you said we. I was going to present this. No, but it's okay. I already did. Can you imagine what happened to that person? I mean, I would just like, from now on, don't ask me anymore. And if you ask me, I'm not going to go out of my way. You know, so you can see how morale, you can see how productivity, you can see how a person giving their best, how all of that immediate, immediately goes in check, right? Because they took credit for the person's, um, other person's success. And so it's demotivating, right? It, it's not a motivating thing for somebody now to want to do and continue because they're going to think, that's not right. That, man, that just sucks. That just really, that was not fair, right? And they're going to have all of these things. And so what happened, guess what? The next day or or two or a week or or so after, they they become disengaged. They become the the statistics that are are in the survey that Gallup poll did that showed almost 70% of people are disengaged in the workplace. That person became one of those that very day. Whose fault was that? Who's responsible for that? I I know you know the answer. Number four in, in this article she wrote is ignoring feedback, not listening. You know, I really I like this one because I talked about this before, and in the different ways. And in my presentation I did recently, I'm not, I'm truly preparing one for a very upcoming presentation I'm doing. And by the time you probably are listening to this or have heard this, I may have already done it, or I'm on my way to do it, the presentation. But I remember that I did something like this, a, another presentation, someplace else, in the past, and. One thing I share was a quote from Andy Stanley, and Andy Stanley, he, you know, he mentioned about leaders who who don't listen. He said, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. Imagine that. Nothing to say. What am I going to say if you're not going to listen to what it is I'm saying? So when you ignore feedback, this is one of those behaviors that you want to avoid, because Here's what happened. People want to share ongoing, real time. And, and so if you create an avenue, an opportunity for people to be able to give feedback, it benefits everyone, right? So what happened is that when people now are having maybe important information or something that they know could really benefit the organization, guess what's going to happen? They ain't going to say anything. Why should they? Do you blame them? So I know some feedback may not be what it is you want to hear. But isn't that what the beauty of all of this? If you can separate yourself from the feedback and realizing this person is just sharing information. And if I know there's no ill intent on their part because I know this person, I've gotten to know them. And I've created this avenue for sharing and your feedback with the with with me as a leader. Then I ought to listen, right? So don't make the mistake of somehow ignoring, dismissing, and under not you know dismissing or minimizing a feedback that somebody is going to give, right? So ignoring feedback and not listening is a number is also a um, a game killer is really, a, as she put it, I want to use her, her own word here, right? She says these are deal breakers for her and for people who are in the workplace. So ignoring feedback is number four. Number five, not standing up for employees. You've heard many times how some leaders throw their employees under the bus, right? They, the first thing they do is find a way to deflect and point a finger and blame somebody else. It's not taking responsibility. You know when I talk about the, the 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 R's of remarkable leadership, one of the R's I talk about is responsibility. How responsible? You know, do you act in a responsible way? Do you take responsibility for whatever for what happens? You know, I read a, a post recently by this guy. His name is um, Jeff Goins, and Jeff Goins was sharing a, a, an in this post about leadership, and he said he was away at some conference or in vacation, something like that. And one of his people he hired did something and made a mess of something and cost, cost him his business with the customer that the mess was made. And then what he did was, even though he was not there, he was on, either on vacation or away at a conference. He took responsibility. He took the ownership and went back to the customer, took responsibility. And the person, the employee who had messed things up knew that he took responsibility and he said you know ultimately the buck stops with me i hired that person and it's my responsibility to have either communicated better or trained better which is it and so he this person he said i hired her and so what happened was th- from that day on i mean he was celebrated he became a leader that people knew about they valued they wanted... I mean, they, they would not... That, can you imagine that person choosing another company to go to work for when he, she knew that this her boss, Jeff Goins, had her back and did not throw her under the bus? Oh, come on. I, I believe that she is a lifer, right? Unless somehow she... You know, whatever, she trans, transitioned to something else, whatever it may happen. But she, that day, she learned something about her boss. He... Stood up for her. He did not, you know. And some 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 leaders have heard this cliche or this statement that employees, you know, um, customer first, right? Customer first. But I like what um you know I like what um uh, what's his name from Virgin Airways. Um, I'm seeing it, Bronson, yeah, Richard Bronson said, right? He, he talked about the idea of um, treat. I mean, train your people so that they might leave but treat them so much, so well, they don't want to. And it talks about the idea of putting your employees first. And, and so one of the things I've come up with lately that I'm going to share about in the near future is that, you know, how we hear many times, you know, the bottom line. What's the bottom line? It's the bottom line, right? And I'm thinking, okay, what is the bottom line? What is that? And I could, if I ask you, you probably say, oh yeah, it's profit, it's making money. And I'm thinking, Really? So that's a priority, right? The bottom line. And I'm thinking, that is so backward. Because how did you make the money? How do you make the money without your, resor- your human resources? The most important resources you have is your people. So the bottom line should be people, not profit, right? And start with that. If you make people your bottom line, I believe that everything else will fall in place. Just like that. So I believe that um, people should have a room and I talk about this in my book uh, uh, The intelligent Leader. When I talk about this, the, pay, the the um, chapter about uh, creating the right environment where the culture, there's a forgiving culture, a culture where people can make mistakes and learn from their mistake and they know that the leader supports that and will help them learn and coach them through the process. That is what I believe motivates employees to want to give their best self to the workplace, right? And so... This is the number five, not standing up for employees. This behavior is a um it really kind of it needs to be avoided, right? It's need to be avoided. And again, going back to Bridget's um own word, she said, you know, these are deal breakers, right? So this is a deal breaker. So number um six is overworking employees, work overworking employees. And, you know, I, I get it sometimes there is a there's a need for more work because of the season, because of the uh, merger, because of down. You know, I get it, but those are, that should be the exception, not the rule. When you have a person that you have, you're constantly pouring work on because you're so bottom line driven, so productivity driven, and you put machinery and products over people, it's only a matter of time that the people are going to get be burnt out, they're going to uh just quit they're going to have health issues which going to be absenteeism, which is going to lead to less productivity you know it's just just imagine what's going on there and so some leaders and what she pointed out in this article is they have unrealistic expectations right they they um they they're asking for too much, and so when a person is overworked you know I, I just was reading listening to an audiobook of this lady who was putting a conference together and she is a great worker she is one of doesn't say no and she gets the job done and so they asked her to put on this huge conference for this company and she went at it there's one more thing added to her plate she went at it and she did she i mean she put on a conference right But then, here's what happened. She was so burnt out because she was so overwhelmed and overworked that even the conference, she did not show up for. She could not. She physically could not. She was burnt out. And then what happened is, after the conference was over, she was basically not at work. She took missing, not in action, but she had to take Days or weeks of I forget how the end of the story was, but I know she was missing for a while. she could not because she was so overworked and and I find sometimes this is what some leaders are just like, you know, hey, we just need to get the job done we need, we need to get the job done. I don't care about you. listen, that is what's going to happen where you're going to lose your best people or you're going to have a disengaged employees. So overworking employees, number six. Number seven, hey, we're down to the last one. Let me quickly just kind of go through again for what they are so far, and then we list number seven. Number one was micromanaging. Number two was picking favorites. Number three, taking the credit for employees' work or success. Number four, ignoring feedback and not listening. Number five, not standing up for employees. Number six, overworking employees. Number seven, overlooking or not recognize, em, recognizing employees' contributions. This is a big one for me, because I have talked about this ad, ad nauseum. You may have listened to me and heard me and say, oh, here you go again, Kingsley. I've heard you mention this before. But she, she let me mention, read really what she's put here before I comment. She said, two of the most basic human desires are validation and appreciation. People want to feel appreciated, respected, and included. Now, I, I've quoted before a statistics that showed 79% of people who were uh, asked the question, why did they leave or quit their job? And the number one reason, the number one answer they gave, right? The number one, and if you've listened to my podcast before, this this, this podcast, you know the answer. The number one reason they gave was, guess what it is? No appreciation, recognition, no valuing of the work that they did all came under the same umbrella of lack of recognition lack of appreciation that is huge for a person it's like fuel to the fire it's that you know that thing that caused them to be feel motivated they're they recognized you saw me oh did you, you know is that that person in the corner waving their hand hello i'm over here did you see that and guess what they did something and then when they do something wrong immediately they're seen and called out. But when they're doing the things that are right, that is overlooked. That is one of those behaviors that really truly you should avoid at all costs. The question is then, are you guilty of any of these? Is your workplace, Could you? did you identify this in your workplace? Are you the person that can change things? And if so, what are you doing about it? or what will you do about it my friend i hope these seven behaviors that leaders need to avoid at all costs i hope you now see why i put at all costs because if you don't avoid them they're going to cost you dearly they're going to cost you dearly and i don't want that to happen i'm on the side that there's a win-win outcome you win they win everyone win and my friend I mentioned in my book, The Immortelligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed. And you can have it. It's available on Amazon. You can go in Amazon and get it. I would encourage you to do that. And you'll find the chapter I've I mentioned just now. Uh, you'll go through that chapter about leadership is stewardship. It's my leadership model that has seven essential traits of leadership that all leaders need to know. And I've outlined all seven essential traits in that well, I want to encourage you to get a copy of that book and tell somebody else about it. And if you are a person that would like to kind of redefine, you know, really kind of revisit your leadership makeup, maybe you need some coaching, maybe your company needs some kind of, you know, touch up, so to speak, and needs somebody to come in to do some, retra- some training for your leaders and for your employees, then I'm available. You can reach out to me and, and see if, if what I have to offer can be something that would be beneficial to you as a keynote speaker at your next upcoming event, or if you know of an event that really, you know, hey, man, they're looking for a speaker, then you can quickly just, yours truly, right? Just send it my way. And if it works out that we could, you know, work together, then I'll be, you know, I'll do that. Very appreciative, very appreciative of that. If it's a training, you know, I'm getting ready, like I mentioned earlier, that I'll be doing a a Friday night and all day Saturday training on intelligent leadership. And so, again, it's something that I do. I go through the emotional intelligence part of it. I go through the disc um, personality profile of it. I go through the uh, very non scientific just to get people started on the assessment for their emotional quotient and give them a, a ballpark figure or a range of where they're at and how they can probably increase that. I cover all of that in the long day training now if it's a half a day or just a few hours obviously i won't be able to cover all of that but just enough i'll I'll be able to cover enough that will truly make a difference in the workplace so i want to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast this episode and i would encourage you to pass this on please refer somebody just tell someone about the show that they can go and listen themselves as well let us spread the word Um, and you can help me to do that so thank you again for taking the time to listen remember my friend you are one skill away one skill away from your best hope and today i hope that i drew you closer to your skill to where you want your best hope i'm sorry your best hope by this show with that said my friend peace out god bless oh before we do that remember we've got to put this back into the vault So let's put this episode back into the vault. Here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now it's tucked away. I can safely exit the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute. And so now I can now say to you, with that said, peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.